Well, welcome to A Reason for Hope. <laughs> Not the rapture had happened yeah. there for a second. <laughs> okay, that was funny. <laughs> well, it's good to start the Monday and off with a little bit of humor. you've been behind. <laughs> oh, gosh, I, that song is still stuck in my head. My mom made me watch that as a little yeah. teenager. A little, little earworm for you yep. to start out the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad and uh, that uh, to be here with you this afternoon or evening, wherever you may be watching from. This is A Reason for Hope, a daily Bible Answer Program, where our live stream audience can chime in and uh, watch us and, and use our comment box to ask questions about the Bible, the historic Christian faith, how to apply passages to your life, or how to just live the Christian life. So whatever it may be, whatever may be on your mind or troubling you, or perhaps you're even a skeptic, maybe from a different religious background, or just no religion at all, whatever it may be, we're here for you to answer your questions. Uh, we have a panel of, of pastors who have been studying the scriptures and, and dialoguing with people from other worldviews, other world faiths, uh, for decades. So there's decades and decades of knowledge and experience here. And so we really <clears throat> invite you to take advantage of that. There are multiple ways you can chime in. You can uh, join us on uh, Facebook as our primary platform where we started live streaming. And you can just either search for us on Facebook, just look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, or go directly to our uh, page, which is facebook.com forward slash CCF Tucson. You can also join us on YouTube. Go to YouTube and just search for our channel. It's A Reason for Hope. Or you can go directly to youtube.com forward slash the at symbol, A Reason for Hope, all letters, and then the number of 546. So you can join us there. And if you prefer to perhaps bypass social media and would like to chime in on the program and ask a question, you can go directly to our website. That's calvarychristianfellowship.com. And then when we go live, just hit that watch live tab on our website and the live stream will appear there. <clears throat> if we're not live, it'll actually show a schedule of all our future live streams, all of our services, including this program and of course, there's a chat box where you can ask questions and get involved uh, that way. And there's also a little prayer button you can use. So I'd encourage you to take advantage of that. If you have something that's weighing heavy on your life and you would like us to pray for you, uh, feel free to take advantage of that. We also <clears throat> have an app that you can download from the Google or uh, Apple Play Store and just look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You'll see a little red icon with the white dove and you know that's us. You can keep up with events. You can also um, <clears throat> join and create uh, chat groups as well as have a nifty digital bible where you can leave notes highlight text really great app i encourage you to take it take advantage of it if you haven't already also if you want to ask a question on this program you can just email us directly that's questions for hope at gmail.com that's questions for hope all letters no numbers at gmail.com also invite you to follow our senior pastor on twitter uh, now called x and you can do so by following at Scott R4H. That's at Scott R4H. Is that right? That's right. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, where uh, you find me. <laughs> uh, we also archive our this program on Rumble. So if you want to go through and look at past episodes, we uh, catalog them by the top three questions answered in that episode. So you can just go through Rumble, even YouTube and Facebook, look through our archives, and you can see... <clears throat> all the different questions that people have asked 
and our answers to those questions obviously you'll see a lot of repeats because people sometimes uh, don't hear a program and then ask some of the similar questions but i'd encourage you to take a look at that if you haven't and before we get to the uh, current events of the day and uh, some thoughts on that we'll take a moment to pray and then get to your questions yeah absolutely let's do that uh, father i thank you for uh being uh, the most important uh, person on our panel here today Lord, we thank you that uh, through the power of your spirit, you've promised uh, through your son, Jesus, he would never leave us and never forsake us. And so we welcome your presence here. We welcome your presence with those that are uh, logging in, whether they have a relationship with you or not. For those who do, we pray they'd be built up in their faith. They would uh, find handles uh, to be able to apply your word in a more uh, personal and practical and consistent way within their life and be salt and light in this uh, world where uh, such commodities are in short supply. Pray, Father, for those uh, that might be joining in that don't know you, uh, that have questions about you, that you would speak deeply to their hearts as your word goes forth, and uh, that you, through your spirit, would draw them to a saving relationship with you. They would sense you knocking on the door of their heart, and uh, they would respond, invite you in, and uh, experience uh, freedom uh, from, uh, from sin, forgiveness, reconciliation, and a right relationship with you that's going to last forever and will change their entire lives. We ask for nothing else and nothing less, and we thank you, Lord, that you're far more committed to these things than we could ever be. Uh, bless this broadcast, and may uh, it bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow, what an interesting weekend. Yes, uh, we could certainly say that uh, without uh, fear uh, of contradiction. A number of things uh, going on now uh, in terms of what's happening in the Middle East. If you're just joining this program, perhaps for the first time, uh, we have uh, been devoting a section of the program to keeping you up to date about what's happening in Israel. Uh, The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that uh, when it comes to the events surrounding the return of Jesus, uh, Israel is the straw that that stirs the drink. Uh, there is no doubt about the fact that is that Jesus is returning to Israel someday and that Israel and the fate of Israel are part and parcel of uh, perhaps one of the most significant fulfilled prophecies we have seen in our lifetime. Israel becoming a nation again, Israel surviving overwhelming attacks on all sides by uh, absolutely committed adversaries, not only to survive but actually thrive as a result of all of this. Uh, if uh, you've got questions about where Israel fits into God's plan, we'll be happy to explore those scriptures with you. But uh, certainly, uh, one of the things we want to keep you updated on is what's happening in Israel, the uh, current conflict that is going on with the terrorists of Hamas. Uh, there have been a, a number of uh, pretty uh, radical discoveries that have been made over the weekend. Uh, the the pictures coming out of uh, the extraordinary nature of the terror tunnel system that Hamas has constructed over the years uh, in the Gaza Strip, taking uh, huge amounts of money that were intended to be used uh, for uh, uh, humanitarian relief and using them, uh, in essence, to build this terrorist uh, infrastructure. A couple of major sections of this terrorist infrastructure have been uncovered by Israel, and uh, pictures were released over the weekend. Uh, one of them, uh, so large that you could drive uh, large uh, trucks through it as far as moving uh, uh, ammunition and uh, military supplies back and forth. Another, uh, over two and a half miles long, uh, that had an egress right next to the Eretz uh, crossing, uh, the crossing that people from Gaza would use who had uh, 
prior to the outbreak of hostilities here, permits to be able to work in Israel, uh, those that wanted to avail themselves of the healthcare facilities in Israel, they would cross through this uh, particular area. Uh, we've seen pictures of it, and uh, we've seen how uh, when uh, the uh, attack of Hamas on Israel took place, that one of the things they did was thrash this Eretz crossing. But uh, this uh, particular ter terror tunnel system uh, would emerge uh, within 400 meters of the uh, Eretz crossing, which would make uh, the idea of being caught by surprise uh, a, a lot more understandable as far as uh, Israel uh, is concerned. If you've got questions about that and uh, the fact that uh, virtually every intelligence agency in the world, including ours, uh, was caught flat-footed by this attack, we can certainly talk about that. Uh, these uh, pictures uh, are, are pretty stunning. You can go on to the Jerusalem Post and see some of these pictures. Our good friend Amir Serfati has an excellent uh, updated almost moment-by-moment -moment, uh, feed on his Telegram site. Uh, you can download the Telegram app and then follow Amir Serfati at A-M-I-R-T-S-A-R-F-A-T-I. And I would highly recommend doing that because um, it's definitely going to uh, keep you up to date. Uh, one of the things that is being highlighted uh, as far as the expansion of uh, war around Israel, it seems like it's not uh, going to be limited to what's going on in Gaza. Uh, there was a major exchange between Syria and Israel. A number of missiles launched from Syria uh, toward the Galilee region, which uh, fortunately were intercepted. But uh, Israel has responded by pounding a number of Syrian targets, including targets around uh, the uh, city of Damascus, which uh, can have some significant prophetic overtones. Isaiah 17 uh, speaks of the destruction of Damascus uh, at a future time, and we don't know what might lead to that or where that would fit into God's prophetic timetable. doesn't necessarily have to be something that happens in the tribulation period. And is that a permanent destruction? Yeah, forever? absolute mm -hmm. destruction. And that has never happened to the city of Damascus mm -hmm. in its entire history. In fact, if you visited Damascus, I don't know if you've ever been through Damascus, Adrian, but you could uh, probably tell me better than I could tell you that one of the things they pride themselves on is that Damascus is the, lar the longest continuing, uh, ex continuously existing city, they would say, in the history of the world. Uh, and uh, yet the scripture says it's going to be wiped out, completely mm -hmm. wiped out and uninhabited in a future time. Israel, uh, by the way, in that same prophecy, will experience great leanness, almost famine-like conditions will happen as a result of uh, this uh, wiping out of Damascus. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't know if there's going to be some kind of uh, exchange of uh, chemical weapons. Uh, certainly uh, Bashar al-Assad in uh, Syria didn't have any problem using them on his own people, I'm sure he would have no problem using them on the Jews. And if such a thing ever did happen, uh, Israel would respond with a nuclear option. Mm -hmm. uh, they've made that very, very clear. Chemical wow. weapons crossing the line, Israel will pull out all the stops. So that's happening. Uh, the other thing that's happening uh, is uh, a war uh, seemingly without bombs, but with uh, an awful lot of impact. Uh, there, is, uh, there have been reports, there was a story in uh, the Jerusalem Post of a cyber war that has uh, been engaged uh, between Israel and Iran. Iran uh, attacked a, uh, the uh, cyber facilities of an Israeli hospital 
uh, before the attack could be rebuffed. Apparently, they made off with uh, huge treasure troves of uh, people's personal uh, health uh, issues and, and so on. I don't know exactly what purpose they are going to use those for. But uh, a group, uh, interestingly enough, uh, called uh, the, uh, uh, the Predatory Sparrow uh, that uh, Iran has dealt with in the past. They have uh, been identified with some of the explosions that have happened in Iran uh, refineries, Iranian refineries that have gone on. In fact, there was another explosion at an Iranian uh, refinery earlier today. But uh, the interesting thing is uh, Predatory Sparrow uh, hacked Iran's entire gasoline distribution system. So 70% of all service stations in Iran were absolutely locked up and shut down. Only 30% at this point are operating. So uh, when you see these sort of things happening and uh, kind of a tit-for-tat sort of situation, uh, very, very interesting stuff. But the major uh, news going on in that neck of the woods uh, involves uh, the expansion of uh, this war to involve other nations, including potentially the United States. This is happening in the area known as uh, the Bab El Mandab Waterway. That is the area that, uh, the strait, if you will, that uh, is uh, abridged by the nation of Yemen on the uh, far southwest corner of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula and uh, Africa, the area around uh, Somalia, the Horn of Africa, as, as it was known. Uh, this very narrow gap has been uh, used by the Houthis uh, who have launched a number of ballistic missiles and drones at Israel, they've changed their tactics and uh, they have gone off of, uh, gone after commercial tankers that are making their way through this particular narrow waterway. This is the only way, by the way, to get from, say, the Persian Gulf, where an awful lot of oil flows, the Indian Ocean, uh, and uh, any traffic that is going through there, through even the Suez Canal up the uh, Red Sea, has to pass through this particular strait. Well, the Houthis have taken it upon themselves to launch weapons at these kind of tankers. Well, in response, there are now 43 warships in the Gulf of Aden, the Indian Ocean, the Bab al-Mandab waterway, and the Red Sea from a coalition not only of uh, seven nations, which we spoke to you about on uh, Friday, but other nations, including Japan and Australia, are now joining this coalition. There are also a number of Israeli Corsairs from the Israeli Navy. These are high-speed sort of uh, mini destroyers, if you will, that Israel had has involved in there. Evidently, uh, there have been, uh, these tactics have worked so well for the Houthis that essentially the major shipping companies that uh, send uh, tankers through this particular area, whether it's cargo, whether it's oil, these sort of things, uh, have refused to uh, allow any of their ships to go into this particular region. Well, our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, has landed in Israel. And uh, from what we are uh, understanding from our sources, he is going to make a major statement about a coalition of nations that are going to pool their naval resources to remove this threat from the Houthis once and for all. Now, whether this is just going to be a naval uh, expedition or this is going to involve a coalition of troops, we don't know at this point. 
But the fact of the matter is the uh, Houthis are a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Iran. They take their orders from them. And uh, it will be very, very interesting to see what happens, how far this coalition of nations, uh, which includes uh, some pretty major naval uh, powers like France, Great Britain, they are a part of this coalition as well, as well as the United States. Uh, very interesting to, to see what's going to happen along that line. And so uh, we're waiting for Lloyd Austin to uh, make the announcement about what this coalition is going to be, what their tactics are going to be. But suffice it to say, this uh, dust-up, if you even want to use that term, that started in Gaza, is now starting to spread across the Middle East, including into the area of Lebanon with the Hezbollah guerrillas there. Uh, Israel and Hezbollah have been launching missiles at each other. Uh, major missile attack uh, took place uh, heading towards uh, Galilee earlier. Uh, this was intercepted by Israel. Israel has responded. Uh, but a uh, very interesting statement uh, that was made by uh, the government of Lebanon, uh, the official government of Lebanon, not just uh, the Houthis, made this statement, we prefer a direct war with Israel rather than to risk a civil war with Hezbollah. So uh, rather than try to rein in Hezbollah, which is, a, uh, again, a Shiite Muslim terrorist group, uh, the government of Lebanon uh, says they would rather go to war with Israel than have that happen. Uh, they may get their wish. So uh, the other thing uh, that has come up in, in the news that I think is uh, very, very significant, uh, and, we'll, and we'll keep you posted if there are any further developments on, uh, say, Lloyd Austin uh, making uh, any uh, formal statements about going to war with the Houthis and what that means for the United States. But uh, another uh, very interesting development uh, coming out of the Vatican. Uh, apparently, the Vatican has uh, issued a, uh, a statement uh, saying that they will give approval to the blessing of same-sex couples in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, the Associated Press ran this story, breaking, Pope says priests can bless same-sex unions. Requests should not be subject to moral analysis. Now, I'm not even sure what that means. Um, I think uh, the, the comments that I'm seeing uh, is the idea that uh, the Roman Catholic Church would want to reach out to gay couples, but not extending them, say, the, uh, the full uh, faith and trust of uh, the sacrament of marriage within the Catholic Church, but uh, that they can, in fact, be uh, blessed by uh, the priest. <clears throat> Uh, Megan Basham, who is a very uh, interesting uh, follow on uh, the X site, the former Twitter site, uh, had this to say about it. A lot of moving parts here, but a significant one is that this reporting from AP and other legacy outlets is not accurate. I believe they know it's not accurate, but this is a way to pressure the Catholic Church to take this position. They are trying to bring this pressure to bear on all major denominations. So has the Roman Catholic Church made this uh, move? Uh, is this a question of uh, the media trying to prompt the Catholic Church to make this move, to pressure them, uh, to have to come up with a reason why they would not, uh, say, extend these uh, short of marriage blessings to same-sex couples? Uh, we'll just have to watch that. But uh, the, the bottom line is this. Uh, Bob Dylan uh, was once famously quoted as saying, you don't have to be a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. 
uh, we are living in a uh, the uh, not just a country, but uh, Western civilization. I think uh, has definitely fulfilled what uh, say the uh, Christian philosopher and commentator Francis Schaeffer talked about in the uh, late 70s and early 80s that we have fully entered in to a post-Christian culture uh, as far as uh, how we identify truth, uh, as far as, as how even major uh, pillars, if you will, of our society are uh, completely uh, adrift from any kind of a biblical worldview. Mm. Uh, the idea that you could, uh, again, um, begin monkeying around with the definition of marriage. When that first happened, uh, most uh, people, even uh, spokesmen from the gay community, said, oh, well, we don't want to be married. That would be, that would be silly. We just kind of want uh, civil unions. We just want the same rights. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've gone all the way, not just mm-hmm. to uh, demanding uh, gay marriage, uh, but also demanding that uh, massive institutions, even like uh, the formerly very conservative on this particular issue, Roman Catholic Church, walk in lockstep along this way. I believe this is part of the warm-up of what Second Thessalonians chapter 2 refers to as the great delusion. Uh, you know, when we see this description of what is going to usher in the coming of the Antichrist, uh, we are told that uh, because uh, people in this time did not receive the love of the truth in order to be saved, God will give them over to strong delusion. That idea of God giving people over is the way that God traditionally judges sin in this world. I think it was uh, Albert Camus, uh, the uh, famous French writer, who once said, I tell you a secret, my friend. Do not wait for Judgment Day. I tell you it happens every day. Some people say, will God judge the United States? Will God judge Western civilization? Well, in a sense, he already is. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, we are told that just as man did not see fit to keep the knowledge of God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which weren't fitting. And that phrase, God gave them over, is repeated numerous times in this description of what we could call the de-evolution of man, that the man's not getting better, but we're getting worse. And so every time we basically say to God, okay, God, go peddle your papers. You know, we don't want you uh, in our lives, you know, kick you out of the schools, you know, again, uh, you know, become so pluralistic. Uh, that we even have uh, uh, images of uh, Baphomet uh, dedicated to Satan Mm. on public grounds, along with a nativity scene, uh, until, I guess, a uh, retired uh, Navy guy came in and beheaded the statue and smashed it to pieces. Uh, But when, when you see these sort of things happening, we say, well, what is God doing about it? Well, in a sense, God is saying, okay, if you don't want... Uh, my standards, if you don't want the paths that lead to wholeness and happiness and fulfillment, you can have things your way. Mm. And I think that's what we're seeing in our society and our culture. Uh, you know, the, the poll results that we see, uh, especially, uh, we talked a little bit about this in church yesterday, about the rise of anti-Semitism, that uh, conservatively speaking, well, over 51%, according to a Harvard-Harris poll, of young adults between the ages of 18 to 25 believe that the only solution to the problem in the Middle East is the extermination of the nation of Israel. 51%. Um, Wow. That is what I call strong delusion. Mm -hmm. And I think we are seeing this strong delusion, uh, you know, hyped by the media, uh, reinforced 
again, by the 22nd soundbite uh, goldfish-like attention span that is cultivated by people that spend all this time on TikTok and other platforms along this line, um, communicating uh, deep truths in uh, 260 characters or less, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's uh, the, 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 the fruit that we're seeing. Again, we've sown the wind, we're reaping the whirlwind, so to speak. And uh, I think as believers in Christ, uh, we have to realize something. We're not immune to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and unless we take our stand, uh, not just on what our relationship with God is about personally, but also what our takes are on things practically in this life, what, what our morality is going to be based upon. Upon uh, the, the solid teaching and foundation of the Word of God, if we don't do that, well, understand some of the old sayings true. Uh, you can either do your homework and come to your own convictions or someone else will do that for you. Well, whether you like what that someone else decides to do is another matter entirely. So lots and lots of things, I think, uh, prophetically significant. Jesus gave us very wise advice in Luke chapter 21 when he said, when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your salvation draws near. Uh, It's distressing, obviously. We feel mourning in our hearts for what's happening in this world and, and these kind of developments. But there's sort of a bittersweetness because uh, we know that these things are all heavenly heads-ups, telling us that the time of Jesus returning to right this world gone wrong is drawing nearer and nearer. Mm. You know, and as such, uh, it should really light a fire underneath us as believers to live our lives as effective witnesses uh, of the difference that Jesus can make uh, within our lives. Uh, Boy, Mm. I got together with a friend of mine, uh, played uh, Mike Coyle. We played golf uh, earlier today. And it was just wonderful to see uh, Mike being able to share with a guy we played golf with who was uh, Jewish what the uh, biblical definition of the Trinity was all about. He really wanted to know. Wow. Uh, you know, we had the opportunity again to be able to talk to a woman who was out getting uh, a political petition signed outside uh, the grounds there. Uh, you know, a wonderful woman by the name of Kelly and got a chance mm. to uh, share God's love with her. So there's all kinds of divine appointments that are waiting out there. And boy, uh, of all the things that you could uh, end up getting caught doing when Jesus returns, you ever thought about that, what you'd like to be doing if the rapture were taking place? Uh, you know, I would say probably number one on my list would be uh, the idea that I'd be telling someone about the love of Jesus, maybe even praying with them to receive Christ, and then boom, we're both raptured at the same moment. Mm. Um, the best way I can think of to enhance my chances of that happening is to uh, prayerfully ask for God to give me those divine appointments every day, mm. because he will, and he'll do the same for you. Very exciting times we live in, very challenging times we live in, but, uh, but boy, um, kind of to uh, paraphrase uh, the uh, famous uh, line from uh, the Lord of the Rings, uh, we don't uh, get to choose the times we live in, the only choice we have to make is what to do with the times that are given mm-hmm. to us. So let's be wise and choose to seize every day uh, and uh, use it to uh, bring glory to the Lord. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for um, tuning in. Again, if you have a question, uh, feel free to email us or use the chat box to leave your question. encourage you to do that. I'm going to start off today's questions uh, from, from an email we got after the program on Friday from Karen uh, thank you for emailing us, Karen. Uh, we uh, You have quite a bit here, so I'm going to uh, just try to take your first question, which I think is probably very weighing heavy on you, and uh, and then maybe uh, try to capture the rest of what you shared later on in the week. But um, 
Karen uh, has a 45-year-old adult son who is homeless and mentally ill and is in group homes, but usually cannot tolerate them. He has some drinking issues to cope with life and uh, other substance abuse issues. And uh, Karen wants to know whether or not she should help him. She said she's confused by dreams and visions giving me different answers or of whether to take him in or just let God take care of him. Uh, and then every time she does bring him into the home, he causes problems, gets intoxicated, uh, breaks the law, gets in a lot of trouble, and just won't listen to him. She said, I want to take him in, but he just won't listen to me no matter what I say. So tough situation for any parent to be in. <clears throat> um, how, how can someone respond to a situation like this when someone is literally living on the streets, has yeah. issues, and uh, how does a parent um, wrestle with that? Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's, in a sense, a, uh, a, a pivotal GPS uh, scripture uh, that we can look at that I think can give uh, great wisdom in these areas. And it's really tough because, you know, again, when someone uh, behaves this way, they didn't start out as a three-year-old behaving this way. These are, are people that have been raised by these parents whose hearts are breaking, that just have the whole panorama, the whole spectrum uh, of a life to look at. It's very easy to come in from the outside and say, well, you know, guys acting like a bum, treat them like a bum, you know? But very, very difficult if you are a parent that really wants to see the best for your child and literally breaking in your heart when you see this sort of thing, you know, the, the GPS scripture that I think can give uh, some real wisdom in all of this uh, is found in the book of Joshua, chapter 24 and verse 15. It was Joshua's farewell message, in a sense, to Israel. And he said this, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve, whether the gods your father served that were on the other side of the, the uh, river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, what does that mean? How can that give us perspective here? Well, you know, you again, I believe the name is Karen here. Yeah, Karen, you mentioned uh, the fact that you've been in situations where you've uh, invited this person back in, taken them back in, and this person has systematically violated uh, all of the standards of your home. Uh, you know, even to the point, and I don't know if there's other family members uh, there, younger children, uh, these sort of factors definitely need to be taken into account because if a person is so mastered by uh, their addiction at this mm -hmm. point uh, that, uh, they, that all they live for is this addiction, it is a form, in a sense, of idolatry mm -hmm. because that's basically what this addict lives for. They get up in the morning and they begin to think about how they can satisfy their addiction. They are complete and total bondage to this particular form of behavior. The only way that you can help a person like this is not to continually take them in and so facilitate the practice of their addiction but rather not becoming cold-hearted, not becoming, you know, just, uh, hey, talk to the hand, that sort of thing, but saying to this person, okay, we have a Christian home here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And these are our Christian values. 
This is what it means to be a part of this family right now. This is what it means to live under this roof. And if, among other things, uh, it's unacceptable to you, or you know, by your deeds, not just your declarations you show, that uh, first of all, you're not going to be mastered anymore by substances. You're going to get help. You are going to make strides to go through detox. You're not going to continue to practice your addiction under this roof. In fact, uh, maybe a prerequisite for being taken in under the roof would be to say to this person, uh, you've got to go to a facility and get clean. And if you can show me that you are clean from drugs and after being out of this facility for a few weeks, you're still clean from drugs, then we'll talk about you coming under our roof. That would be step one. Uh, I don't believe that you even open the door to a person along this line unless they're willing to do this. And, and this is why I say this isn't hard-hearted. When you go, oh, but, you know, where are they going to go? Or they'll be sleeping out, out under the, you know, what, you know what's going to happen? They'll be homeless, these sort of things. Remember something, you're dealing with an adult. You're dealing with a choosing adult here. And even though... Uh, from what I understand, uh, kicking heroin is an incredibly difficult thing to do, let alone uh, nuclear uh, heroin like fentanyl and these other things along this line. This person still has the opportunity to choose. Mm. They can choose to say, I'm powerless over this. Uh, it's going to master my life. I'm going to get help. Uh, and unless they make that choice, uh, simply taking them in, uh, feeding them, while allowing them con to continue to practice their uh, addiction uh, is really, in a sense, one of the worst things you can do because sooner or later, that person's going to OD. Sooner or later, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, he's very good at it. And we don't want to do anything that could facilitate that happening. Mm. So, you know, the, there's a scripture in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 that says, insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Mm. It, it doesn't say insofar as it depends on everybody. But we can make decisions as believers in Christ saying, mm. this is a Christian home, and this is what a Christian home looks like. These are the rules we operate under. If you want to be a part of all this, this is how you can come in under our roof. Step number one, go to rehab, get clean. Mm. Get a clean bill of health from drugs. If you go through rehab, you get clean, can show that you're not using, then we can talk about you coming in. That's step number one. Step number two is this is a Christian house. We operate under Christian principles. Uh, one of the most basic Christian principles I think we could say as far as uh, do's and don'ts, thou shalt not steal. Mm. Thou shalt not bear false witness. If lying, stealing, uh, doing things that dishonor God, by violating his standards uh, are part and parcel of what this person's doing to say that's part of the, the, the key to being in here. If you can abide by our Christian values, join us for prayer, join us for church, join us in terms of living up to these standards, then you can stay in this house because mm -hmm. staying in this house is not a right, it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this house has been given to us by God Everything we have is a stewardship from him. And because it's a stewardship from him, we're going to stand for his principles here. Now, I know this sounds really kind of 
you know, tough. Remember the old tough love kind of thing? That, that's exactly what it is. Uh, because unless you draw these lines with a person, uh, you know, is that person really that much better? Sleeping underneath your roof and using, being comfortable while they're practicing their addictions? Or could it be that being out on the street, as challenging as that is, can be a wake-up call from God? You know, I think of the story of the prodigal son. Uh, the, the two sons, they, the one younger son asked for his inheritance from his father. Uh, he gave it to him and he went off to a far country and he blew it all on prodigal living. That just means he was a total party animal at that time. Uh, when he had uh, spent all of his money, all of his uh, good time pals abandoned him. Uh, he found himself uh, starving. He hired himself out to a man in the land and he put him in charge of feeding the pigs. And apparently the guy wasn't a great boss because he was so hungry, even the pig slop he was feeding the pigs started to look good to him. It was only when he was there in that pig pen that he came to himself and said, my father's house, the servants have food and despair. Here I am dying of hunger. Uh, this I'll do. I'll go back to my father's house and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Uh, please take me back as one of your hired servants. Well, you know, the classic story, uh, while he was still on the way, the father saw him afar off, ran, fell on his neck, wouldn't even let him get his, his story out, completely restored him, didn't even hear of the idea of some kind of probationary thing where you can come back as a servant, completely restored as a son. Why? Because he turned from his old life and he wanted to be back under the father's roof again. Uh, I think that same principle applies in this set of circumstances, uh, Kathy. And uh, as difficult as it is for a parent to say to a child, no, you can't stay here. Uh, we have to facilitate that same hitting bottom that we see in the story of the prodigal son mm -hmm. happening in the life of someone where the practice of our, their addiction and all the things that go with it becomes so unpleasant and so uncomfortable and unsustainable that they finally say, man, I got to get help. Not because everybody's badgering me to get help. I got to get off of this or it's going to destroy me. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's only when a person is allowed to get to that place that that sort of thing happens. And notice the father doesn't run down and rescue the kid. You know, he doesn't send his servants to find him. Oh man, I hear your son's feeding pigs in the pig pen and some far country mm. we better go you know bail them out of all of that let's yeah. let's send our special forces down there and <laughs> and get them loose no he allowed him to get to the end of it because he knew that until he did you can take the son out of the pig pen but you can't take the pig pen out of the sun wow. yep. unless the son wants to leave the pig pen I've seen that happen way too many times where parents think they can just love their kids by just allowing them to live in their home and do whatever they want to do yeah. after they're 18 and nothing ever changes. Well, you know, again, Adrian, what is the biblical definition of love? It's not a feeling. It's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 defines it as being include, including the statement that love does not rejoice in iniquity. Hmm. but rejoices in the truth. Hmm. You know, in other words, if we love these, you know, dearly beloved prodigals, uh, we're going to partner with God, bathe it in prayer, obviously, realize that God cares about that, that uh, lost individual even more than we ever could, right? 
But we also draw lines, biblical lines, mm. and say, this is what our home looks like. You want to be a part of that? This is what that's going to require. Now, how would you respond to a similar situation? But let's say it's a family member who's just visiting, and they're, date, they're in a same-sex relationship or something like that, and you don't want that exposure on your children in the sense that uh, you don't want them to be exposed to something that goes against your values. Um, how, how does even well, well, having what, them visit? Well, what, what, I mean, same principle, right? Um, you know, you're dealing with a couple of quote-unquote consenting adults, right, versus yeah. some unconsenting children. Those children do not consent to be exposed to that particular relationship. And so, uh, you know, I, I think speaking the truth in love in a circumstance like that, uh, saying to the people involved, you know, just being very upfront about it all, it's, well, you know, uh, we're Bible-believing Christians. You know, you know how we feel about the relationship that you're in, you know, because you don't share, you know, our Christian convictions and our relationship with God. You know, we understand that, uh, you know, we can't expect you as non-believers to act like believers, but we can expect you as family members to be respectful of our personal convictions. You're asking me to respect your relationship with this person by continuing to have a relationship with you. Well, that door swings both ways. And so we would ask that you would not, uh, again, uh, if it's a situation where they're visiting, you know, make the visits in a controlled environment. Uh, you know, you don't have to say, oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, these two are going to be staying in our guest room. Mm -hmm. I, you know, yeah. again, that's facilitating something that we can't facilitate. Hmm. Interesting. Good, good advice. So, I've seen it happen uh, way too many times with different families and situations, and uh, it's, it's very good, good counsel. Well, when in doubt, you know, we have to do what the scriptures have to say. Mm. And whatever decisions that we come to out there, and sometimes, you know, the applications uh, of the scriptures are very, very challenging. You really have to think through these things. And if you're in the middle of one of these things and you feel like, uh, boy, you know, I just don't know what end, which end is up in all of this or, or how to really think through this biblically, you can always, you know, get in touch with us here on this program. I think it would be even better for you if you're involved with a solid Bible teaching church to sit down with a pastor or with someone from your church who's walked with God and knowledge of the scriptures you respect to maybe it's a step removed from the heat of emotion that goes with all of this and all the, the background and all the different things that have happened here, all the pressure that can be put on and uh, have that person give you solid biblical counsel. You know, if you can do that, you can get some clarity there. And uh, I, I think that's a really, really important thing to do. Oftentimes, you know, the, the best place to start is obviously James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, hmm. let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not such a person think they'll receive anything from God. So uh, the good news is God is far more interested in guiding us than we are in being gid, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Gidded, yeah. guided. Uh, um, he wants to show us how we can walk in his ways and partner with him in being a reflection of his love and his light in this world. 
But the downside of that is uh, if we come to God and we say, well, Lord, I'd really like your wisdom, but I reserve the right of first refusal if I don't like it uh, or if it's going to make me uncomfortable or it's going to have some consequences making this particular decision. Uh, if we find ourselves in that set of circumstances, we're not going to receive anything from God. You know, I think it was uh, George Mueller, uh, the, the uh, famous evangelist, uh, had a tremendous ministry among the orphans in uh, England. Uh, when asked about how to discern God's will, he said that uh, the best way to discern God's will is first getting to a place where I have no will of my own in the matter, where all I want is what God wants. He said that's 90% of the battle. Then uh, the other 10% of the battle is asking God for that wisdom. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So, you know, it's not as if God is taking a powder. He's, uh, you know, disconnected. He's just going to let us uh, flop and, uh, you know, uh, flutter around uh, and, and not have the kind of guidance and wisdom that we need. God is going to give us that wisdom if we'll ask for it, if we'll ask for it in faith, believing that. And he can give us that wisdom, hmm. first and foremost, through his word. When people come to me and they'll ask me questions like, I've got this situation going on, and what do I do? One of the first questions I ask them is, have you prayed about it? Hmm. Have you brought it to God first? Well, yeah, kind of. Well, I said, no, have you prayed and asked God for wisdom about all of this? I mean, just before we go any farther, if you haven't done that, let's just do that together. You know, secondly, have you looked into the scriptures yourself? How do you understand the scriptures? And how do they apply to this circumstance that you find yourself in? You know, can you think of a few passages? Well, I, I just, and oftentimes I'll ask another question. I'll say, okay, if someone came to say the roles were reversed and I came to you with this very same problem and I said, hey, you know, I've got these relatives coming over and I just don't know what to do about all of this. Can you think of a verse or two you might share with me? If that were the case, and it's funny when people are suddenly not locked into just thinking about their own stuff or looking at somebody else, oftentimes they get real clarity and mm -hmm. say, well, yeah, I can think of a few passages that, yeah. that might really apply, you know, and then once they start working through that, I'll say, you know, let's pray again. Let's make sure we're walking in faith here, but God will honor every step of faith you take here. You might not see, for instance, how this whole thing is going to work out. Where, where it's going to be at the end of the rainbow, right? Uh, you might decide to do what God tells you to do, and things might get worse in terms of conflict and uh, being uncomfortable and so on or uh, feeling rejected rather than better. Mm. But if we walk in God's word, if we walk in his ways, if we remember that God cares more about these people involved than mm. we could ever care about mm. them, and that he does have resources and the power to be able to reach them in ways that are beyond our imagination, maybe bringing someone else across their path that can speak to them far more effectively than we can, maybe allowing them to stumble and fall and you know come up with some skin knees in life you know to really realize uh, the path that they're on, uh, maybe allowing the consequences of their actions to catch up with them. Mm. But all the while, you know, again, maintaining the fact that you care about them, that you're praying for them, that you want the best for them, but be willing to define what is best for them. They may disagree with you tooth and nail about that. Mm. Well, that's just your fundamentalist, you know, yada, yada, yada. 
Well, okay, you can see it that way, but this is the only thing I can offer you. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm. And uh, unless we have, unless one person in this transaction, this interaction, decides to stand up and be the spiritual adult in the room, then the kids are going to run the show. And immaturity is rarely countered uh, by a greater act of immaturity on the other person's part. Mm -hmm. Decide you're going to walk up to the standards that you've grown into in your walk with God and trust God for the results. And, mm -hmm. and don't give up. Persevere. Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep standing for God's standard in the situation. And uh, who knows you know, how long it will take. Who knows? Maybe you won't even be around to see this person uh, come around and come to know the Lord. But, uh, you know, we put them in God's hands. God does good things. He does mm. good work. We can Amen. trust him. So Good advice. And, and thank you, Karen, for that question. We'll get to the rest of your question later on in the week. So please tune in this week because you shared quite a bit, and I think there's a lot we can unpack there. Ron wants to ask us on our website. I was having a discussion with a fellow believer who believes that the Bema seat, the judgment, is only for rewards and no accountability for our failures and shortcomings. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, will Jesus call us out on our wrong motives, wrong behavior as Christians if we're genuinely born again? Um, these individuals feel that Christ will not <laughs> call us out and make us feel bad um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and would admonish us for our sinful living, but rather just reward us for the good things that we did do, like, like passing through the fire, uh, the bad will just burn away, the good will get rewarded, but we're not going to be chastised for, gosh, you know how many more mission trips you could have gone on, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so on and yeah. so forth. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, uh, first of all, you know, the uh, the scripture that you're referring to is found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we are told that uh, all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, in, in fact, in uh, verse 9, we read this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may receive the things done in the body according to what he has, has been done, whether good or bad. Uh, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. I trust as well in your consciences. Now, notice we're told about this judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the word judgment seat there is bema, uh, the word bema never referred to a judgment seat that a judge would sit behind and declare guilty or innocent or level fines or, you know, punishments for people who broke laws. This was where uh, the competitors in the ancient Olympic and Isthmian games would receive their rewards for a race well run. The, the, the uh, perishable wreath that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will. Uh, compared to the imperishable one that we receive. Well, if you won your event in those uh, Olympic Games in Greece, it was definitely a great thing to get that laurel wreath. You know, we'd kind of look at it, just, you know, some, I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii and had them give you a lay or something like that. It was kind of like that, except you'd wear it on your head. But it meant so much more because if you won that, uh, you would be given a salary to live on for the rest of your life. You would be exempt from taxes for the rest of your life. Uh, and so uh, it was definitely something worth competing for. But it was a judgment of rewards. 
Now, when people hear this, they say, well, the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body to what he's done, whether good or bad. Well, there's two different words that can describe bad in Greek. Uh, One uh, is a word that denotes things that are evil or wicked, but the other is really interesting. It's the one that denotes the idea of something that is worthless instead of precious. You know, and so uh, when we stand before that judgment seat of Christ, right? First of all, we need to understand that judgment seat isn't a you're in or you're out. You know, get the idea of St. Peter looking for your name on a list uh, out of your brain. That's not how that, uh, that judgment is going to work. Uh, you know, again, we've already passed from death into life. Again, John chapter 5, verse 28 says that whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not enter into judgment, but has passed from death into life. The idea of judgment in that passage means to be judged down, like to be mm-hmm. condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus bore all of our condemnation. However, there is going to be a judgment, if you will, kind of like that Olympic or Isthmian Games um, medal stand, if you will, where we are going to be rewarded for the things that we've done, or in a sense, in contrast, become aware of the things we could have had that we left undone. And, and this is what I mean by it. Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, we read, for you are, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, the only way that we're going to make it to this Bema seat foundation is if we belong to Jesus. This is only for those who have put their faith and their trust in him. But then he goes on to say, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through the flames. Now, notice what's being described here. Those who build on their foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. You expose gold, silver, or precious stones to heat. Uh, it's only going to purify them. It's only going to make them you know, better, in a sense. But if you expose something like wood, hay, or straw to fire, uh, it's going to go up in a poof of smoke. How interesting that in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, we were told our God is a consuming fire. Mm. His absolute holiness absolutely consumes everything and anything that is not of him, anything that is less than him, anything that is sinful. So when a person comes into the presence of the holy God, uh, and we bring, in a sense, our lives with us into glory, well, almost instantaneously, what is going to happen is we're going to see not just that we are saved, which has been resolved the moment we receive Christ, mm. but what the results were of our salvation. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, mm. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works, but for good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in him. Now notice the kind of gold, silver, and precious stone is revealed there. The good works which God ordained beforehand. The only thing that we're going to be rewarded for at that Bema seat are things that God did through us anyway. Because, you know, again, as Solomon observed in Ecclesiastes <clears throat> chapter 3, this one thing I know, what God does lasts forever. <clears throat> I mean, the work of our flesh, uh, inevitably it falls apart and fades away. But what God does through his spirit, through honoring <clears throat> his word, right? Forever settled in heaven, uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. Anything that we have done where we have shared God's word in the power of his spirit, where we have done things, conducted ourselves, even in relationships, according to God's word through the power of his spirit, these things are going to have an eternal reward. Now, what's going to be shocking for some people are all the things that we have done maybe right things we have done, but we've done things for God rather than allowing the Lord to do things in and through us. And that's the difference between things that are going to be eternally rewarded and things that are going to be consumed. So I guess getting back to Ron's question, uh, is there going to be any kind of uh, accountability for the way we lived our life? Yeah. Sure, we're, we're going to see some things just absolutely consumed. Notice, a person's going to be saved, they're going to suffer loss. But uh, if we have some things that the Lord himself alone did, uh, they're going to come through and we're going to be eternally rewarded. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you, Pastor Scott. God bless you. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.